0: Hello everyone, and welcome to a cup of coffee—the show to go with your morning cup of coffee. I'm Aman, and this is my co-host Omer.
1: Ah, hello everyone, and welcome back.
0: Ah, uh, so Aman, uh, what have you been thinking about this week? Well, um, one major thing that's happened in my life this week that you know about—I've switched to Spotify from Apple Music, so that's been a a fun transition for me. I'm enjoying it so much more. <laughs> I told you for months that you should have made the switch. Yeah, it's it's such a worthwhile switch because um, they make better playlists for me. Um, I just the interface is a lot nicer, and it connects to my Google Home and it connects to Discord too. So it's it's overall it's just so much better and that's been really yeah. fun for me um, yeah i've
1: I, i've seen you take advantage of the listening on Discord while yeah, you're playing while you're playing Valorant the other day yeah
0: yeah we're just we're just chilling and, and vibing whenever we're playing games now so that's been fun for me um i've mm-hmm. also been thinking because um it's quarantine obviously we've mentioned uh and i want to take advantage of this time a lot um and but i feel like I'm not putting myself out there enough. I feel like I'm not uh, going for things as much as I should. And I feel like in life in general, I haven't really um, gone out there and chased the uh, the dreams that I want to chase. And it's partially because I have, I have fears, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's that, that feeling of, you know, like I want to do it, but I'm afraid maybe I'm not good enough or maybe, you know, I, I can't get there, but like, as, as we both know, all, all you have to do is try, but it's just nice. that the, putting in that effort that's been, uh, getting to me. And I, you know, I really want to do all these things. Um, and it's, it's been, so it kind of reminds me of this one YouTube channel that I watch called the yes theory. They, their whole thing is to seek discomfort and, and put yourself out of your comfort zone and go all chase right. those fears and chase your dreams really. Um, and so it's just to me, it it means a lot to to overcome a fear because and it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It could just be, you know, like it, it, to a certain extent, we are afraid of getting into like a cold shower even because you know it's just it's uncomfortable and uh, it it makes you. So, so i think that in itself is like a small victory right and that makes you more accustomed to seeking discomfort and and you know going into your fears and so a- any little victory that you can get there i think is super important towards your main goal right like mm-hmm. uh, working out dieting it's all uncomfortable you know we're we're, we're afraid of losing that that um, you know, that junk food I am at least, and that, you <laughs> yeah. know, that, that feeling of not having to work out every day, but it's, it's better for us. Right. And so the more we become accustomed to that, the more we're able to chase our, our bigger dreams and, you know, make, do, do whatever we want to do in life, um, and, and really change the world to, but to get there, you have to be able to, to face your fears. And that's just something that that's been on my mind lately. Yeah, it's just striking that balance between like being too being too
1: afraid to try new things and just being just afraid enough so that you're still keeping an eye on things and watching your back and not, you know, going uh, diving off the deep end. Uh, yeah. So striking that balance is what's so hard because you want to be you don't want to be too afraid to the point where you know you're not trying new things, but uh, uh, Like um, it could be like small things like you know trying new foods and stuff like that. Like if you're if you're too afraid to try the new food just because, uh, you know you want to stick with what you like, you might not discover your new favorite food and a new favorite restaurant. But like, yeah, but like it's also for bigger things like uh, things you might be passionate about. Like if you've uh, like if you like um, like if you have a passion for writing maybe you should maybe you should try running a running a RPG campaign or something because that involves a lot of uh, writing creativity um, and yeah. you know uh, and requires you to be creative on the fly as well because you don't really know how your the members of the party you're dealing with are going to react to things so you have to come up with mm-hmm. situations uh, compounding off of that because let's face it humans are kind of unpredictable right Mm -hmm. Uh, so you have to be brave enough to try and you know being being a game master or dungeon master isn't an easy thing right Uh, I mean there's a reason why most people play the game instead of uh, GM or DM it right because it's a difficult task but but like it can, be, it can be, if you're
0: not too afraid to, it can be incredibly rewarding, like seeing mm-hmm. players go through that journey that you created. Yeah, and you're going to mess it up like the first few times you try something new. And that's, that's something that we have to come to terms with, I feel like. And that, I think that to me is the hardest part, is coming to terms with and, and really learning from those failures. Because you know, like I've made a lot of mm-hmm. mistakes, but I haven't necessarily learned from them all and become better from them right? You know, sometimes I'll make the same mistake again. And that's when, you know, you have to, you have to recognize that you've done, you know, like, um, when you're trying something new, say with a, with this podcast or with, uh, you know, anything else that, that you're trying to do in life, you're going to do it the first time. And you, you have a choice essentially when you make that first mistake, when something goes wrong, we initially, we have this thing inside of us and it's because, um, it's actually, it's very interesting because when uh, we were like, you know, like when humans were not nearly as advanced as we are now, we had this, you know, thing built inside of us because when something was wrong, when something went wrong, you would you would run away from it, right? Just a safety mechanism, right? So if there was something going mm-hmm. wrong somewhere, you know, like there was an animal or something that you, you were afraid of, you would run away from it. And so over the you know, however many years humans have been around, we've gotten this thing built inside of us to where whenever we're afraid of something, we want to run away from it. But now things are a lot safer and a lot better because, you know, you don't have to like build your own fires and run away from tigers and stuff on a daily basis, right? You know, now our fears are starting a podcast and, um, you know, asking girls out and and doing uh, like, you know, basic things that, that we shouldn't really be afraid of. And so now we have this, uh, you, now now we're afraid of things that we don't really need to be afraid of, but yet we, we try to run away from them So that initial that feeling of trying to run away from it is something you have to combat at first And you have to face it and you not only have to face it But you have to face it better the next time, you know You have to learn from your mistake and you have to have to do something better. And we always hear it um, right. But it's something that, that I struggle with despite knowing <laughs> Despite hearing it constantly, I somehow managed to, to repeat my mistakes, and that's something we all have to work on.
1: I, I guess, uh, I guess the human mind creates a lot of his own problems. We're sort of our, uh, we're sort of our best. Our mind is both our best friend and our worst enemy. Yeah. Uh, because you know, it, it creates some of the so like with your mind, you get imagination, you get pleasure. You know, some of the greatest stuff comes from your mind, but it's yeah. also your worst enemy, because it's because it's also constantly tripping you up, making you doubt yourself, mm-hmm. uh, making you afraid. But you know, you just have to learn to
0: learn to work with work with your mind, I guess. Yeah, I get that, and it's you know, it's not just like I, I think it's because um, I, I mentioned that you know we're afraid of what like we can't do, um, but I'm sure you've heard this quote where, you know, our biggest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our biggest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure, right? Uh, I think it was Bruce Lee who said it. And that's a very interesting quote because, you know, we like, think about that. Like you're telling yourself that I'm afraid because I don't know if I can do it. But subconsciously, Hmm. you might actually be afraid because you can do it and you don't want to lose what you have right now because we're all so comfortable with our lives right now you know we uh you know we right. chill through the day we play video games at night right you know we have we have the life you know we, i got food you know i, I got a Seven Eleven right down my street and you know like i can just go get you know like if I don't have time to do these things because I'm working hard on accomplishing my goals, maybe that's what I'm afraid of, right? Maybe subconsciously you're worried that you're going to lose all of this comfort that you have surrounding you right now, and you're not actually afraid that you're not going to be able to do it. You know you can, but you don't want to because your life is going to, you know, you're actually going to have to put in effort now, right? You're afraid of that, and you know, that, that might be why we don't, why not everyone in the world is chasing their dreams. And right, because we are our worst enemies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, but I think, yeah, you could also, you, you could, I, I think it's a very interesting thing to be able to to befriend your failures and your fears and make it so that you're not actually even afraid or you're not actually even disappointed when you fail you're excited because it moves you forward right you don't think of it as a step back you think of it as a step in the right direction because now you know one more thing not to do and you're one step closer to your goal and that's like i just don't know how to build that mindset personally because i try as much as i say it but I think, I think it just comes with practice and and being able to, I try, I try in everything that I do now to, to move on from my failures, even in video games, like, I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong that, right? Why did we lose? And and, you know, like, why, why did this podcast not go as well as, as we might have wanted it to? Why, why didn't I get Mm -hmm. the, the best grade on this test? You know, like thinking about that constantly, I think it, it would build a habit. And so that's, that's essentially what I'm trying to do
1: i think i think yeah yeah most of our emotional reactions are well in reactions in general or just most of our mental facets are what we make of them like sadness anger or even imagination can be both good and bad for you depending on how you use it yeah like, like i've told y'all about how my imagination works it's like constantly working mm-hmm. yeah uh and you know like it's a good it's a good thing in many in many ways because you know you've seen some of the stuff i write i, I can get cr- pretty creative with it but it, i mean it's also can be pretty debilitating at times you know it also means like i get really like anxious about stuff because i'm just like i have my imagination constantly where i'm just it's gonna go this way it's gonna go that way it's gonna go
0: terrible yeah yeah i think sometimes it's you get you get scared of like okay well and, and it's <sighs> It's silly to think that you don't do certain things, you don't chase certain dreams just because, you know, it might not go right. Because, well, then you're just where you are now, except maybe one step closer to your goal, right? But for some reason, it's so difficult to get that thought out of your mind, like, what if it doesn't go right? That that anxiety, it's so difficult to to move forward from that, despite the fact that it's not really, like, helping you to just... Sit around and not do anything, which I, I feel like I've been doing for for way too long. And I I like, there's so much out there to do. It's, you know, sitting there and and not doing any of it is not the solution. Being afraid is not the solution. It's, ch- and it's chasing the right fears too. You know, um, sometimes maybe your fears are warranted. Sometimes you know maybe it's not worth your time because it's too long of a shot right? Or maybe you're not ready for it yet. Maybe you have to have mm-hmm. to wait and become better before. So for example, um, you know, we can't apply for certain jobs yet. Just feel like we can't start a s- certain businesses yet because we don't have the knowledge, right? Maybe we mm-hmm. would learn something from it, but maybe we're not ready for that. Right. So maybe start like a different yeah. business or maybe learn something, spend a couple months learning something first, prepare yourself, right? So that you can overcome that fear with better preparation right so so it depends on on what the fear is too whether you just want to jump into it or whether you want to prepare for it in advance uh but regardless of it you should you have to have a plan it's 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 like it, it's like um it's like
1: bosses or raids in video games like um you can't just show ju- it like you it's okay to be afraid to be like I can't I can't take this boss or I can't complete this raid head on I need I need preparation yeah you know because uh, I mean you because there's no because uh, I mean like failure is good uh, and you can learn from
0: it but there's no point in failing for pointless reasons yeah exactly I mean like um I have a friend in uh Valorant who when we were when we were playing unrated he uses this gun that's incredibly hard to use because it's a sniper, but you have to get a headshot to get the kill, right? And so it's it's really hard to use, but he's using it to improve his aim. And so, but once we get into competitive, he knows that like, that's not <laughs> the right gun to use. But maybe, you know, like after enough practice, he can use that gun in competitive and be really good with it. And that'd be a huge advantage to him. Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, you're just preparing for the competitive. You're just, you're just preparing for the real deal uh, sometimes. And, you know, like what you what you learn over time can be um can, can be valuable if you're willing to to own up to your mistakes and yeah I, I that that's really all it is it's just easier said mm-hmm. than done for a lot of us
1: yeah and speaking of fears and our minds being our worst enemy uh so i've been thinking of, of this a lot uh just uh but like Phobias are some are, are product of our minds, and they're kind of irrational and we're afraid of them for no reason, but we still have them. Yeah. so what's a, what's
0: an irrational phobia you have? Um, I don't know. I, I, I always had this thing that like I don't know like, <laughs> I, I, I would I would like in, in elementary and middle school, I would put my underwear on in the morning, thinking like the one day that I forget to put on my underwear, cause I was little, right? I was like the one day that I forget to put on my underwear, that's the day that I'm gonna get pantsed. I've never been pantsed in my life, but I was just like, you know, like I have to wear this. This is my duty to wear this underwear today because if I don't do it, I'm gonna get pantsed. Like that's just the law of nature. Like that's gonna happen the one day that I don't. And I don't know why I had this mindset. Like it would just always be in my head when I put on my underwear and now that I think about it, it's just very—it's just really stupid. <laughs> like it, it was—I I, don't—I don't think I still have this fear, but I—I I still haven't forgotten to wear my underwear ever. But it's just—I <laughs> guess that's an irrational fear that I had at some point in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: for uh, for me, it's uh, it's dogs. I have this weird phobia of them. Just or just because whenever I see one, I just I don't know. It's for a lot of brown people I think. Just mm. you just instant instantly <laughs> just start walking backing away. Yeah. Like I'm just like I'm just like it's it's a cute dog, it's not gonna hurt
0: me, but why am I walking the opposite direction? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, I used to I used to be like that too. And then like one time I I decided to walk towards it instead of away from it and it's just like it was just cute and like I, I just You know petted it and everything and it was great and you know so now i'm not afraid of dogs anymore
1: yeah i don't know it just doesn't seem to work because like my cousins my cousins have got a dog and i went into their yard and they brushed me and i pretty much just like you know in tom and jerry where where uh you know they just run up a tree and just hug it that was pretty much that was pretty much just me (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah that, that. I, I understand though because initially it's like okay well it's a dog it has so sharp teeth and it could bite me but yeah after a while like like my mom's afraid of cats for some reason and i just
1: yeah my brothers are afraid of cats but i just don't get it i'm just like cat cats are great what are they I, gonna I, do man <laughs> i'm i'm just like the cat doesn't care about you yeah
0: exactly it's That's not gonna hurt you <laughs> It it doesn't care about you enough to want to hurt you. Yeah, and even if it does bite you or scratch you like it's not gonna hurt it doesn't, I've been bitten but and scratched to cat. It's not that bad
1: Yeah, it's you know our brains. It's just they're just like you, you know what I've decided I want to be afraid of this thing and you
0: know what? I'm gonna be afraid of it. <laughs> yeah that's, it, it's, it's weird like that. I have a cousin whose wife is afraid of buttons I buttons? buttons like like the ones on your clothes but, buttons on your he he wears no shirts with buttons ever because his wife is afraid of them <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's not like afraid necessarily like like but but she she gets nauseous around them and like she she just feels like she has to throw up whenever there's buttons around like it, it's it's the weirdest thing like like she can't be too close to them i guess or like like look at them uh, I guess they didn't go together to many formal events then. <laughs> no, it was funny because we were at a, a wedding when when he, she mentioned that and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, it must have sucked for you, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, because originally I was like, "Does does he mean like pressing buttons?" Because I was like, "Elevators are gonna be
0: a no, problem." No, no. I'm pressing buttons with suck too, <laughs> but then to what extent, right? Like, because if like maybe like physical buttons only, but then like everything has buttons you know so like what what if, what if it was even virtual buttons like like pressing play on a video or something like that man that would be horrible that would be horrific yeah i mean like i mean like using a laptop
1: would just be like would be torture
0: <laughs> yeah all the, all the keys on the keyboard pick. are technically buttons <laughs> They just lock you up in Guantanamo Bay and just hand you a keyboard and just like no type this out for me. Oh God, facing your fears one on one with the (laughs) line. Lock you in a room and leave you alone with it. I'm gonna lock you in a room and leave you alone with a dog. (laughs) That's how it's gonna work. You're gonna leave me alone with Uh... a pile of underpants. don't put them on uh,
1: yeah you you must, you must have a horrible time walking past the underwear section of like walmart <laughs> not anymore <laughs> okay just looking around yeah. you waiting to get yeah. pants <laughs> it's, it's like that's why I started wearing suspenders
0: so they can't pants me anymore <laughs> yeah that, that's smart actually I should consider that investment <laughs> uh well anyways that's uh enough of us two now for the uh slightly more interesting part for our guest Uzair Al all he will uh introduce him when he gets here
1: all right uh cue musical transition we'll see you guys in a few seconds All right, everyone. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Azair. Azair, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, guys. My
2: name is Azair. Uh, I'm currently a college student, and like every other brown kid, I'm on the pre-medical track, and I'm really happy to be here with my good friends Omar and Amon.
0: Awesome. This is going to be a fun uh, little episode, because uh, in case you guys didn't know, Azair is kind of a genius. So, Not at all. <laughs> Zair, um, our first question is going to be something we we love to ask people, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better. What is something that you're a huge nerd about?
2: Hmm, so yeah, so I'm a, usually a pretty boring person, so as a result, a lot of my interests are very, very mundane, but one thing that I've really become obsessed about as of late is Islamic history. Like, uh, yeah, basically, uh, and uh, to be particular, uh, Abbasid and Ottoman history because uh, uh okay. you know, I didn't learn a lot about those periods of uh, Islamic history growing up, so I've become really enthralled in trying to learn uh, everything about those things, like, yeah, well, you know. Wow.
1: WAP yeah. sort of skips over, sort of skims over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe like history it really does, does, does it. not do justice to it. It's
2: really interesting. You know, I, I kind of wanted to learn about, because I the reason I got really interested in it was because um, oftentimes uh, we hear about how, you know, the East didn't contribute much to the intellectual science of the Judeo-Christian West. So I became really fascinated with getting to know how, uh, you know, East Asia and then the Middle East and South Asia made their contributions uh, to sort of the pillars of intellectual thought that we have today. And I found a lot of interesting stuff. Like, it's really cool to know how all the world uh, through different cultures and different areas, you know, had such significant roles in establishing, you know, the ideas and things that we have today.
1: Is there a particular facet that really interests you, like the philosophy, or is it more uh, the scientific
2: part of it? For me, it was uh, more so philosophical. I really liked how learning about how the Muslim world rediscovered uh, Aristotelian and Platonic texts, and then through the Crusades, those were introduced back to Europe. And I really uh, liked uh, learning about comparisons of uh, things like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of thought uh, in what you would say, uh, you know, Islamic empires in comparison to their non-Muslim
0: contemporaries. Wow. That's really interesting. And it's really, it's really cool to see like the, the impact that people had so many years ago, like hundreds of years ago to our daily lives today. I mean, um, philosophically and then even like technology wise, what was happening back then, it's crazy to think that like, when when you learn like math and, and architecture in school in college, you know, uh, sometimes you're just like, wow, this is so crazy. Like I couldn't have come up with this myself, you know, and you don't know people that would have co- been able to come up with it today. And people are doing this hundreds of years ago with such little technology. All they had was books and and each other really um to come up with algebra i mean the story of newton coming up with physics is insane uh like he he reached the limit of physics so he invented calculus to keep himself going like that is insane Um, but you see things like that in in the old uh you know eastern empires so much because they i mean um, they were, I think algebra was invented because they were building a masjid, right?
2: Yeah. Something like that. So yeah, they, mm-hmm. they came up with, I think, what was it? Like there was an individual who came up, they had, uh, algorithms. And then from that, from the idea of algorithms, they were able to develop algebra
0: that's, for an architectural project. That, that's so cool. And so, I mean, like, so that I means like you can
1: see the impact today in like our modern computers, We Absolutely. they wouldn't exist without it.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. It's 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 really you know mind-boggling and really interesting to see how people in the past have had such a profound impact on things that we use today.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not huge on history, but I have played Civilization, so know yeah, I've got I've got a little dude, bit of experience. I love Civilization, dude. <laughs> yeah. If I told me he got you to download it. yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty dope. Pretty so, dope. That's cool. Um, tell us a little bit about your background in debate um
2: so i started speech and debate when i was in ninth grade in freshman year of high school and i really just started it because like growing up i felt like I, i had an interest in like politics and particularly foreign policy and international relations uh back in middle school like we had to do stuff like mock trial and all that for social studies and uh Whenever we would engage in sort of an argumentative activity, I enjoyed it. I really, as a person, I really dislike arguing. I don't like getting into senseless arguments with anyone. I don't like talking when there's nothing, you know, substantial to be said or something of substance mm-hmm. to be articulated. But I, the thing that I liked about the idea of speech and debate was that, oh, we'll get to converse about different meaningful topics. So, and it'll be, this is what I thought, it'll be in a friendly, you know, non-aggressive environment. So I was really into that. So when I started in ninth grade, uh there are different events like you guys know in speech and debate that you can repeat in. And the one that I was really uh interested in or I ended up becoming interested in by tenth grade was international extemporaneous speaking. Um, you know, like you guys know, extent like that's when uh you basically answer questions that are related to uh, in you know the world global affairs international relations foreign policy Hmm. and like like you guys know you get you select a topic you get 30 minutes to prepare a seven minute speech on it and then you go answer that question and all that um Mm -hmm. and yeah so i uh like in debate in and of itself like i look back at it now and like it's funny because a lot of the things that i remember aren't really the competitions the more the, the things that i really remember are like the friends that i made in it and uh you know, yeah. like the relationships that I made with, you know, my teachers and all that. Like I thought that stuff was great. Um now I remember ninth and tenth grade, I was a really uh pricky little kid because I, I um <laughs> like I, I remember like really, I'd I would like do well at some like little local tournament and I would start thinking in my head like wow like I'm so i'm really getting good at this like i'm really good and like it's so funny because then i would go to like state or national like state or like a high level uh, competition and i would just like not do well and it would be because i hadn't okay. built up that level of skill or like that level of stamina and it would be and like i still look back at it and i just think it's so funny that like um like at some local tournament like you know like there's just high school in our local area creekview which is which has a good tournament but i went to this tournament and like i ended up getting lucky and i got fifth at this tournament and it was complete luck and i that was my first term in Excel. and I keep I still remember like that made me think like I was good at a yeah. which is just hilarious uh, we um, had the
1: opposite of good luck at our
2: first term
0: yeah but we don't uh, talk about uh, it
2: <laughs> dude it happens I, do, no, I did PF with philosophy for two years that's, yeah. I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't fully start getting an exam until 10th grade. And the thing is, right, when we did PF, like, Fawadis did a solid amount of work. Like, he really put in the effort. And I feel like I did work, too. But every now and then, where I could, like, get away with things, I did, right? Like, it was more of an excuse just to hang out and play 2K
1: all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. that was my like, first... Yeah, like, uh, yeah. That was- I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I I'm did PF together for two years, right? And, like, Whenever we got together at each other's houses to work on our cases, we didn't get any work done. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah, like the only time we got work done was when we were do when we were separate from each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, that's what happened us too. It's so hard to just focus. Yeah. When you're with like the other person, because like I heard this from one person, they were like the best way to, um do well in public forum is not to be friends with your partner. I don't think that's <laughs> true.
1: But I was also like that's no fun either. Like come yeah, on. Yeah I was like I i wouldn't have enjoyed debate as right? much as much as I did if I didn't have a amount of me Exactly. Yeah. Like
2: you definitely and you can definitely do well with like uh, a partner who's your friend. Like that's definitely possible. Yeah. Like but I still remember that. But then like I started getting into extent like I started getting especially going into my junior year. Dude, the funniest thing, bro. So when I went into my junior year, like we went to Plano West, right? Which at that time was starting to get, which had for a few years now produced really good competitors in, different, in a variety of events and speech and debate. Yeah. So when we went in, I guess like our teachers, like, you know, were, uh, Smith and Leo, they had great expectations. And there were people in our class, particularly in Extemp, who were already pretty well established, were pretty good. Yeah. The most i had done is like gone to state, went to an out round. That's all I had. And I remember, like, she would not like give me any attention, right? And I that made me think, like, rightfully so. But that made me think, man, she hates me. This woman absolutely hates me. And I remember, like, my first my first tournament that year, like, I didn't do well. Like, I didn't even, I don't even think I broke, even though like I got an experience with ex- with uh, speech and debate, and like, I didn't know anything. And like, compounding on that, one thing that I didn't like about speech and debate was like. There's so much networking that goes on between competitors
1: because so many people go to camp, right? Yeah, it's so expensive. I mean, yeah, I I noticed that it it's like if you don't go to camps and stuff, it it can get really hard to compete Mm -hmm. uh, because you don't because Aman I didn't. Having, I mean, it's not the only reason we didn't do great, but uh, yeah,
0: we also didn't put <laughs> enough effort
1: into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but lot, we, yeah, we we and, like, I mean, there's a lot of factors into why we didn't do great, but sure. like, we didn't. We also didn't really have connections with debaters from other schools. Like, like you talked to them after rounds and stuff, but then we'd go to our separate ways. Like, I think like the only connection we had to another debater was, uh, I think his name was Dante, and that's because you went to driver school with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow! Uh, he offered true? to he offered to swap prep
0: with us once and we were like yeah no. i was like listen really? i'm not allowed to do that <laughs> yeah, oh it, it was it was God. after smith
1: it was it was after uh smith got really annoyed about that and i we really yeah. like ha, 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 ha. Wrong, no thank you oh, yeah You're not worth, worth the battle. risk bro
2: But that's the thing about debate camps at that time. It would create a sort of like elitist environment where you'd have all those people that were considered very, very like top tier at whatever tournament you were at. And they would be hanging out together. And like, you would always think like, man, dude, like, I'm a suck compared to these kids, bro. Cause like they keep like doing really well and they all know each other and all these judges and, you know, well-known people in the so-called debate community. It, it, it's, it, debate is kind of like pre-politics.
1: A little bit. Yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting.
2: And not to say there aren't great fantastic people in there.
1: Who, no, no, they're plenty like of fantastic people. Absolutely. Like president company included.
2: Exactly. Like, but you will always have like that little, in any environment, I think you'll have that little bit of elitism, but one thing that did happen to me personally in Sweden debate was because I was competing in extent and the kids around me were very good in my class at my school slowly because I always practiced around them. And had we had such great teachers like credit doesn't we don't give enough credit to these teachers. I feel like in the end, I didn't need a camp because of those teachers and all those kids who had went to camp, like they brought that yeah. information to our school. And so slowly I started getting better. And like junior year, I felt like I finally became like a, a national level competitor, I would say. It's not like I'm saying I was the best or anything like that, but I finally I mean, yeah. you were the best. Technically, you were
1: the best. <laughs>
2: junior, like junior year, like I was like senior year, like it ended up going well for me in the end. But junior year, like I was, I can, I think I can confidently say that I was finally someone who like, when I went to a tournament, people generally knew who I was. People, not that that stuff matters, but people generally, like they gave me that sort of credit. Even though every now and then, like I would get irritated if I go to a tournament and I do well and I hear someone say, oh, like he just got lucky or anything. And I would just, it would be, that type of stuff is irritating. Cause it's like, dude, this is the third tournament you're saying this at, like, can yeah. you just like admit it? Like I'm, I'm, I'm decent. Like you can just, just yeah. say I'm
1: decent. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's like ups and downs with the Plano West name. Like, it, it, it came, it came with some clout, right? Because, like, even when yeah. we'd go to rounds and be like, oh, they're from Plano West, like, we weren't yeah. great, but like, because we were playing the West, mm-hmm. they were a bit wary.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah like exactly like that's what would happen like it would. i always thought that was like really
1: funny like people it's watch it. it's, it's, it's like we we're on the warriors or something like oh yeah
2: yeah it's so funny the funniest like, the yeah. thing that would always make me laugh is like they probably look at like these kids like oh we could play the west and like they don't hear our conversations in private like this Dude, wait, wait, we're, we're just stuff. like
1: yeah, it's just, we all just, yeah, because, like, they're like, oh, it's playing OS. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm on I half an hour before we're, we're, instead of doing prep, we're playing Rocket League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: <like>, they <Exactly>. we <laughs> have, like, these super intense practices. And, yeah, like, sometimes we did, but, like, half the time it was just me trying to pull, like, pr- pranks on other people. Like, just dumb <laughs> yeah, just, pranks just, on so- Ashwin.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah I, I was just I was like and all of practice would just be groaning at Ashwin's puns <laughs> it, would, it would just be great but, <laughs> it was amazing yeah geez. yeah it ended up
2: it ended up going well like my my senior year I think things finally started clicking like I went like I'd, I'd won local tournaments from like my sophomore year and onwards but like senior year like i started placing a lot i started winning like every local tournament almost every local tournament i go to like i always like final or get top three like i felt like i was in a good place uh but i went to a couple national level tournaments where i did get to out rounds like i advanced past preliminary rounds but i didn't get as far as i wanted to uh we went to harvard like i so second semester because second semester was like second semester of senior year like when we went on these debate trips like the main thing that i was looking forward to was the fact that it's like a vacation like we just get to enjoy these different states but like there was also like this level of like urgency in my head like i want to do really well these competitions so my sophomore year like the harvard tournament it's a big national tournament i got the semis and like so in my uh so that's like and i like in terms of placement i would be like top 10 at that tournament um out of like i don't know 200 250 or 300 competitors in my event and then uh harvard my senior year my goal was hey i gotta get to finals this year and that was really heartbreaking because so wait let me even backtrack before that there was this tournament called the capital capital city round robin sorry i'm giving you guys this whole layout of my. <laughs> no, interesting my senior year. Mm-hmm. but it's just to show like so this is like the ups and downs that i went through particularly my senior year so my junior year, even though I thought I started getting good, there's this uh, round robin tournament for extempers in Texas that's called the Capital City Round Robin, and right. my and it's an invitational. And like my junior year, I didn't get invited, and I was like, yeah, sure, like I guess I haven't done anything yet to really deserve that invitation, but my. Senior year, I got invited and I was really happy about it. And when I went, like, um, like it's 16 competitors and they basically all compete against each other. And then from, like, a bunch of, like, I think you have a total of six rounds, they select the top four. And I was lucky enough to get into that top four. So after that happened, I was like, okay, like, um, like I'm like I'm good enough to compete with like these people at least, yeah. like the top level, I think. Like I, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, but I'm not saying I'm lesser than anyone either, right? Yeah. Like I can learn from these people and compete with them. Then yeah. I went to Harvard Conscience,
0: and that was hard. Not
2: exactly. Like arrogance is always a bad thing, right? But yeah. you should believe in yourself. Then I went to yeah. Harvard and that was heartbreaking because I got I got the, I didn't get past semis again. I dropped in semis again yeah. at Harvard. So I was a little heartbroken, but it was still a fun trip and I enjoyed it. And then State was coming around and like State was like a big thing. I was like, dude, I really think that at State, I can do well, I can really get far. So I get to semifinals, right? And in this in extent, I would always say there's this thing called the zone, where if you practice and you start getting into a rhythm, Every single speech that you give in every round, when you start having fluency, you're not having any problems with your fluency anymore. It's all coming down to your analysis. So I was feeling really good about my speeches. And I go into semis and I get a topic that I was very familiar with. And I went and I gave, I thought the best speech that could on it. And I felt very, very good about it. Very confident. And I was like, you know what? I think I did it. I was really happy inside. I wasn't telling anyone anything, but inside I was feeling like, man, I, I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get to state finals and I'm gonna get to compete in state finals. And I didn't break like I did not break to finals. And I remember that point because it was senior year, uh, like I was kind of done. Right. I was like that really ticked me off, really irritated me because I felt like I really deserved to be in finals. And I didn't really. And I, and I got back my uh, uh, judging sheets and like even me and like our teachers looked at them and we were like, this doesn't make sense. Like I was really frustrated. And at that point, I was almost like I was so done with debate. And like I even remember because for that extent, like you have these in these, like you guys know these tournaments that you can qualify for, like the Tournament of Champions, right? Toc. Yeah. Um, they're in May. They're right before AP exam. So I remember my junior year, I went to them, and I told myself, hey, senior year, I'm going to go to these and compete with in these. Now at this point, I qualified for nationals, but I only went to like you have to go to these national qualifying tournaments to qualify for the national tournament. Right. Uh, and I only went to that because like, uh, like I had a, like, I was one of the, uh, pre- presidents or captains of the speech and debate team. And like our teachers, like, they were like, Hey, like we do all this stuff to you. Don't you think you owe this? So that's, and I felt that. And I was like, yeah, I, I do owe this to you. Like I'll go and I'll compete. And I was happy to qualify for the national tournament, but I wasn't that excited in going to the national tournament and i was i was so done with debate that i didn't even go to any of the tocs like i qualified for both the tocs everyone else who was like a high level extent competitor in our class one i didn't go because i was like i don't want to do this like i'm not interested in this i'll go to nationals because i owe that to you guys but i won't do anything else but then and for nationals like like this, we graduated like we had a graduation ceremony and the week after uh, we were gonna uh, we were gonna go to nationals, and I remember like all that practice. It was happening during Ramadan, and I was really uh, uh, like, was, I was really, tough. really yeah. And so I would go to practice, and I would be really annoyed. I would be really like I don't want to do this, like because I, I was frustrated, right? Because like was, state let left a very bitter taste in my mouth, where I was like that was the first time ever where I felt like I did my uh, when I did my best, I didn't get as far as I thought I would. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, is there any, is there really a point to all of this? Um, but then, uh, like, you know, our teachers, like, they gave me, like, a sort of pep talk or whatever. Not like a pep talk. They, they they were more or less like, you need to get it together and stop being a fool. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I need to, like, we're going to go to Fort Lauderdale for a week. It's going to be fun. Like, I might as well, like, do everything that I can to do my best. And then when we got to Nationals, like, I was humble. I was lucky enough that things clicked. And, like, I ended up getting, being fortunate enough to win the whole thing and like that was like
1: yeah, that was yeah i remember when it was announced i i, I was like yeah yeah, yeah like that, that did
2: was it. i was really happy like i was like it was fortunate because like it was like like i like like we're like those kids that like we didn't go to camps right i'm not saying we're underprivileged or anything like that because we went to a school like Penelope. we were surrounded by so many people who had that advantage of going to camps and they could share that knowledge with us right but we are those kids that are like usually thought of as underdogs And we're overlooked and we didn't go to camps. So like when that panned out, it was like, you know, like, like credit goes to like, you know, our, you know, our, our peers, like our teammates and our teachers for helping us so much
1: for getting us to that level. So Amon and I both, um, you know, we, we failed a bunch in speech and debate, but we did gain a whole bunch. Like, uh, I mean, I I think without speech and debate, we probably wouldn't have started this podcast. Just because we got to know each other better through speech and debate, and also, yeah, well, it made us both a bit more confident enough to put our voice out, yeah, um, not- into a p- more public space. On top of that, you know, I learned a lot of note-taking skills that made university a lot easier. Uh, just because of all the shorthand and different note-taking methods you learn uh, mm-hmm. while flowing, because because you have to listen to a person talk for two for two to four minutes and just jot down pretty much everything that I say, depending on how good your memory is, right? Um, and with that you have to come up with a whole bunch of shorthand and I end up using that for pretty much all my classes. Um yeah. and then you know you also getting those analytical skill analytical skills and, you know, I mean and like, you know, you don't know how to you and you know, you get because we use an, we don't really use a script for this. We use an outline. That's a, a big part of that's the speech and debate background. Because you know, for extamp, you don't write down your whole speech. You write you write down an outline, and then yes. you you remember the key words, and then mm-hmm. expand upon them with, yeah. you know, improvise to expand upon yes. them basically.
2: You fill in the
1: rhetoric. Yeah, because yeah, sure. it's 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 a vague it's a vague roadmap. But you've you 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 are the one that builds the path and finds the way to get there.
0: To exactly. yeah. I think that's the best way of putting it. It's, you know, you roadmap, but you create your own journey. Mm-hmm. So, I I oh, think um, a good so, thing so what that, so what
1: important like skills and skills or you know like knowledge, uh, knowledge or you know life lesson would you think would, would you have said is your what some of your most important takeaways from debate? Um.
2: You know, in terms of skills, I definitely think public speaking and uh, being able to condense a large amount of information in a small amount of time, those are the two biggest takeaways in that area from Speech and Debate. Because through the event that I competed in, I got so used to consolidating a huge amount of information uh, into a summary in a small amount of time. And I got uh, very used to also conveying that in a manner which was both efficient and you know effective that my public speaking skills got uh, better so now whenever i'm in a situation where i have to engage in public speaking it's very easy for me it's very natural and usually it ends up going very well as i'm sure you guys have had that same experience then in terms of i guess you could say uh, after skills like uh, lessons uh, the biggest lessons i think would be you know, if you work hard, like you can get to some semblance of your goals, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, we were those kids that didn't go to camps and a lot of times at tournaments, uh, that sort of demographic of competitors, it gets a little bit ostracized or they feel like outsiders because they don't know everyone there and they're not, they weren't practicing the way everyone else was during the summer. Mm -hmm. But uh, because like we were really focused on working hard and learning from others who knew more than us, uh, we were still able to have some level of success. Right. So that's what it taught me. It taught me really the importance of hard work and, you know, how essential it is to really believe in yourself while not being arrogant. The other lesson that it taught me was that being arrogant is really annoying because sometimes people in speech and debate can be very arrogant. And I hope I was yeah. not one of those people. And if I was, yeah, I definitely think I'm not anymore.
1: I know. You, you, I don't, from my experience, you definitely weren't. But we, we've had our fair share of error in right. yeah, you yeah. It's yeah, the so worst it's, when they're not that good and they're arrogant.
0: I'm just like, where's, where, is it, where is it coming right? from?
2: It, it, it's always, it, it's perplexing, you know, like being arrogant in any case is bad and a lot of times like mm-hmm. the people that were like really big jerks and were super overconfident were individuals that weren't that great to begin with mm-hmm. like they were okay
1: yeah i'm just like what, what made you right. why are you arrogant i don't what understand happened, like, yeah. if you're good and you're arrogant right. i would understand i i wouldn't like it but i'd understand why you're arrogant right. i don't get why you're arrogant yeah
2: so yeah i mean those are my biggest takeaways from that from all that. <laughs> okay of
0: so I want to know, um, I, w- I want to hear this from the number one foreign extent speaker in 2018. Um, were you afraid the first time that you went into a tournament? And I assume you were, but like, how, how was that? How was overcoming that? How did you force yourself to go through that? What was the experience like to start off for the first time?
2: So the first tournament that I competed in, in extemp, I was really terrified. And part of the reason why I was terrified was because I didn't know at all what I was doing. Um, because in it, you know, with the part where you select your topics, as you guys know, is known as draw. And yeah. I did not know how draw works at all. I didn't use it. Mean, I accidentally yeah. took out
1: like too many pieces of paper, and no one noticed.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So. My, I was going with my friend to this tournament and I remember on the way asking them, so how does draw work? Exactly. <laughs> and he, said, he said to me, you're asking me this now. And I'm, I was like, yes, and like, I'm sorry. I didn't, comp- I didn't, I didn't prepare the way I should have prepared. And I was really <laughs> terrified. Um, but, and that first tournament, I feel like my, the, the jitters don't ever fully go away, but I do, I definitely think that my, like those, uh, Jitter starting out, where you're just so nervous because you don't know yeah. anything either, and you're 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 always scared of the fact that uh, you're already petrified enough in the beginning that you're going to be speaking in front of a judge who you think is going to scrutinize every little thing that you say. But on mm-hmm. top, you know, obviously, when you become a judge, you don't you feel you kind of understand that not necessarily every judge thinks that way.
1: Yeah, because so you yeah. know we're all judges now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um but uh then that other fear starts kicking in if you get lucky enough to advance it. oh my gosh, like my competitors sometimes are sitting in on my rounds. Oh other people are sitting in on these rounds they actually assume that i know what i'm talking about and what if i Mm -hmm. say something that's just completely off base or what if no one would know (laughs) right because everyone's just
0: faking it to make it
2: exactly so i i was really scared in the beginning but as time went on uh i got pretty comfortable with it because i i always did like public speaking to an extent i did enjoy it even before i joined speech and debate but it just gets it takes some time to get used to that format that we were competing in i, th- I think
1: in part part of what helps is realizing that your opponent probably probably has the same fear inside of them yeah yeah because like like um because like you you go into a pf round you know you're a little bit nervous you're like these guys dress well they look pretty smart mm-hmm. uh, and then I, you're just thinking i don't know i don't know if i'm going to be good enough and then
0: on the other side of them they're probably thinking the same thing yeah always and I, I assume that being able to overcome that fear, like the and first just, time up until nationals, probably allowed you to pro- probably made you a lot more confident in the way that you speak and pretty much everything that you do right now. I,
1: just, to some degree, the judge, even the judge, I think even the judges are a little bit nervous to some degree. Like, yeah. like when I Definitely. first started out judging i I, like i'm not so nervous anymore because i've done so many tournaments (laughs) but uh but like uh like when i first started, i was i was a little bit afraid because like i wanted to judge the round properly i didn't want to make mistakes and be known as you know that idiot judge that never gets anything right yeah
0: yeah
2: exactly no that's that's what we like that's what you want to avoid when you
1: finally start
0: judging exactly and i think um You know one more thing that i'd like to know is there it doesn't might not necessarily have come from your speech and debate life but at any point in your life um is there a time that you overcame a fear that you had or put yourself into an incredibly uncomfortable situation and it really paid off for you it made a huge impact in your life
2: um So whenever I think about this, the one thing that always I always go back to is that um, and this is like, you know, I don't mean to get personal and I don't mean to always come back to this topic or anything like that. But I do remember, like when I was in seventh grade in middle school, there was this one kid who would always be berating on you know, Muslims and the Muslim world and Islam as a whole. And I remember being very scared of speaking to this kid because he seemed to be, he seemed to have a lot of friends, right? And I didn't want to be thrown into an environment where I was talking about something that was so uncomfortable. Uh, and uh, could be misconstrued as con- controversial, right? But the yeah. thing was, this kid and I, we were both on like our middle school basketball teams, right? So I had to see this kid every day. And like at face value, I didn't think he was a bad kid either. I just felt that he didn't have all the right information. So, and I was super scared of talking to this kid or anything like that. And I didn't know any, I didn't know everything. And so I didn't want to jump into a situation where I didn't have all the information. But I do remember one day he was just, he was just saying all this stuff that was, in all honesty, very offensive. Right. And I was very surprised that even looking back at it now. I'm very surprised that at that young of an age, we're only 13 years old. This individual was saying that sort of stuff. Clearly, they were getting it from home. They were hearing it mm-hmm. at home from something their parents were either saying or their parents were playing. Right. Yeah. So right. I ended up speaking with this person and I tried to do it in the best way that I could in a mannerful way in you know in an approach that wasn't rude and thankfully it actually paid off like it genuinely paid off i was able to talk to this person and you know kind of speak and when we were 13 year olds like we obviously we have no schol- yeah. like we're not scholars and we don't have any sort of like you know we're not great intellectuals we were having very simplistic our conversations but when i And that was something I remember, I was so scared of doing that, right? Because I was really, at that time, I remember I was just really scared that like, uh, like he'll tell his friends about it and everyone will like call me out on it on the basketball team and everyone will talk about it um, in class and all that. But this kid, like when I was able to talk to him, like it went well and he understood and it kind of changed his views. And that was like a fear that I overcame because what it taught me was that when you feel like something is right, when you feel like you have to do the right thing, always try to do the right thing as hard as it might seem because it'll pay off eventually. Maybe not materially, but you'll feel in your heart that you did the right Mm -hmm. thing. And it also taught me that um, in many situations, I'm not saying all, but in many situations, the right conversations can enlighten people, right? You have to be ready to take that step with people. And also you have to be ready to defend your reviews. Don't blindly believe in something if you also want to argue in favor of it right yeah. right mm-hmm. if you want to do I, I, if you want to be able to defend it then you should probably look into how to do
0: that in a certain situation yeah. so I understand and that you I, think, yeah. I think nowadays we're way too afraid of having this conversation mm-hmm. you know we always see that you know like our our political views are so affected by like you know what we see on twitter and and mm-hmm. and instagram and and in the media and you know we never really like see anyone any any conversation happening and it's always just yeah one side attacking another Absolutely. and they're I never think, actually having that conversation I think,
1: I think yeah i think it like all like political views seem like way too binary these yeah exactly it's either you're for or you're against There aren't any like nuanced opinions you don't really have discussion you're either you're either arguing one side or arguing the other there's
0: there's sort of nothing in between you know there's no there's no there's no conversation of okay well what if this happened and i you know like you have to be able to understand that if someone is saying okay like what if you know this side might be right they're not agreeing with this side they're not you know like saying you know like it's sometimes the topics get very sensitive so it's hard to say you know uh you know like okay well what if he's not that bad of a person what if it Mm -hmm. uh you know was something that like happened that day or what if this has happened to him before and you know like depending on the situation you might have to ask these questions but we don't ask these questions it just it just becomes like no you know this was wrong um and and, you know this person we like a lot of people say like we should ban all guns right and you know i'm not saying that i'm for or against uh uh, guns or anything but we just have to ask the question you know like what benefits are there and what like what are the pros and cons just put down the list you don't just like dismiss the conversation as a whole at the beginning, right? Because one side, like you have to be willing to admit that you could be wrong. There's a 50, 50 chance in every argument that you could be wrong. So just, just look at the facts and you don't have exactly. to be disrespectful about it. And I think that's no. a huge thing that we've I learned in speech people, and debate. I think because people are
1: just,
0: Yeah. Cause you're, you're always debating
1: both sides of a topic in debate. Uh, so you, so you learn to see it from both perspectives, but I guess people, I guess people are afraid, afraid uh, of being wrong.
0: I yeah. think
1: so. Like, it, it, yeah. like, um, like, like, it's like, because if you're wrong and you have to, if you're wrong about one thing, then you could put, you start questioning yourself and thinking, what if I'm wrong about, you know, a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah and mm-hmm. that's true like it's I think you really hit it on the nail there both of you because one thing it is it's it comes from I think sometimes uh, an unsureness of one's convictions because they're afraid, like you said, like it'll be a domino effect. If I'm wrong on this, am I wrong on everything? Yeah. And more than that, you know, even when people have conversations like these, like the one that we're having right now, it gets misconstrued by many individuals as being, Oh, so you basically uh, are in favor of people who deny science in favor of people yeah. who say that the, the, you know, that black is white and white is black and up is down and et cetera. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think there's a middle ground, where you can say, hey, I'm not saying, I'll give you a very blatant example. You know, I'm not denying that wearing masks is helpful. Wearing masks is helpful, right? Mm Right. That like it's essential if we want to curb this ongoing pandemic of the coronavirus. Right. And obviously I got to want to make a political statement, but what the current federal administration is doing in regards to their approach, it's wrong. They're ostracizing people that they don't need to be doing. They're condemning officials who are just trying to do their jobs. Right. That's the absolute truth. Right. But then if I. If I say something like, oh, like let's talk about the issue of gun control in a nuanced manner, that individual that's watching this with sort of um with sort of their own type of aggressive lens, they'll misconstrue that as being like, oh, so if he's saying this, yeah. he probably aligns with this side of the political aisle on everything. And the fact is, yeah. like, we haven't even made a political statement. And with the gun issue in particular, I think you're really you brought up a great point because the thing is, right? I think in in regards to gun control, we definitely need some form of it. We need to have a nuanced yeah. conversation about it, because oftentimes people that are talking about gun control, they're they're falling on, they're, their rhetoric is falling on deaf ears, because most of the people that they're conversing about it with are individuals that agree with them, right? People yeah. on the other side of the uh, political spectrum, the argument that they always bring against those individuals is, oh, they don't know enough about guns. Like, if I ask them to, like, uh, differentiate between, like, an assault rifle or this type of gun, they won't be able to do it. So what yeah. they're They don't even know what they're trying to ban, right? So that's where that nuanced conversation comes in, where it's like, you need to learn the entirety of what you're talking about. It's not that I disagree with what you're saying, is that in order to better ferment and protect your argument and convince others, you need to show them that you're entirely Mm -hmm. Uh, articulating on the points which you're, you know, talking about.
1: I think yeah, that's the issue for a lot of things because like, yeah. oftentimes people
0: will, will form an opinion before they find out what they're really forming, what, yes. yeah. what they're making. It's, it's, to them, it's more about being right than actually having the exactly. right conversation.
2: And that's where the extremities of cancel culture come in
0: yeah because you know like the moment you say something wrong then your argument or even part of your argument that could have been right is completely invalidated exactly
1: and
2: that's and not to say we're not saying that you know racism is not racist like we like yeah. clear, we're like, clear, we're like, clearly like I'm not, like, we're not saying wrong. like some it's of these right people wrong. don't
1: deserve what happened yeah, to them yeah. just just like like absolutely. for like you know assault and stuff like that like the people who have come out to speak with them, definitely yeah absolutely but like to like make it but like if you like make a mistake or like one part gets taken or like one thing you said gets taken out of context out of a larger thing you're saying and that gets Mm -hmm. completely turned against you and you completely lose everything up. Mm, that's when, yeah, exactly. that's when you're going too far.
2: Exactly. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about nuanced discussions. We're not talking about, you know, when you take these really serious topics like assault and, you know, violence and, you know, racism, things like that. Right. That's an entirely different issue, because in that context, you know that's like we're not defending people who are you know um, guilty of those acts you know we're talking about nuanced political discussions nuanced social discussions because it's automatically like if you if you try to have one type of discussion you're grouped in with an entire group of people that you're not with like you can recognize institutional racism things like police brutality faults of the government and things like that while still Saying that, hey, we should reach out to people who think differently than us, because yeah. what we need to understand why they think that way. We need yeah. to understand what led them to have this conviction, so that we can talk about it. And obviously, if someone is, you know, blatantly like they're, you know, they they're blatantly racist, despite attempts to, uh, you know, um, teach them about the wrongs of that type of, you know, conviction, and that type of thinking is leading them to bring harm <laughs> to others. That's wrong. People Mm -hmm. that have, you know, crossed lines in terms of people's physical space and assaulted them in some way. That's absolutely wrong, right? But when we're talking about like, oh, someone like statement of someone was taken out of context or someone holds this certain political view. We can't automatically jump to cancel yeah. them or group them with other people without understanding yeah. them. Because at the end of the day, that delegitimizes your argument because people on the other side will always be like, Oh, they didn't even understand what this person was saying. I, and I think, jump exactly. Yeah.
1: Saying and I think a big part of it is that so much political discourse happens on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can fit into a few, uh, into yeah. uh, one tweet. So exactly. you just put. So you know, you can't really put. You can't
0: really have nuanced discussions on Twitter. It's just people yelling catchphrases at each other. Essentially, yeah. yeah. People tweeting very obvious things and getting a lot of likes. that's yeah. yeah. generally what happens. It's yeah.
2: really true. Like it's it's just about like like a lot of people just do it about being woke, right? Like they don't care mm-hmm. necessarily about what's yeah. the truth about. Like a great example of that is like. I don't know if it was a year or two ago, but there were these kids that were on a field trip, right? Obviously, there were a bunch of white boys, right? I'm just going to put it out. There were a bunch of white boys that were on a field trip. And for whatever reason, they were in D.C. and I think they got MAGA hats. Like, I hate MAGA hats, right? But they had MAGA hats, whatever. They can wear them, right? And so there was a Native—I I can't remember where they were at, but there was like a Native American demonstration going on, right? And to preface this, I'm all in favor of Native American rights and, you know, the fact that they've been disenfranchised and, you know, there's a whole nother topic, but the reservations were set up in a way for them to fail. Absolutely. All of that is absolutely yeah. true. Right. But this kid, this, this one white boy, he was wearing a MAGA hat. Right. And, uh, this one individual who was a part of the demonstration was beating on a traditional drum, I believe. And, uh, for whatever reason, they decided this individual and they were wearing uh, their traditional uh headgear and traditional clothing. And they decided to approach that kid and stand in front of them. Right. And this was like a young teenager. Right. I'm not saying what this person did was right or what they did was wrong. Anyone here. Right. But okay. someone recorded that clip. Right. And this kid like he didn't really know what was going on because this person just approached him and stood in front of them and started beating the drum. So he started just laughing because that was like his defense mechanism, right? And when yeah. that person put up that video on Twitter, it, everyone started showing it like, oh, there was this Native American demonstration going on and this kid came up to them and started ridiculing them and getting in their face and started laughing, uh, right? And so it was like, you know, and that and that kid like then got threatened and all that. Now, look, I, I definitely, if he's wearing a MAGA hat, I definitely hate and disagree with those political beliefs and whatever those Native Americans were demonstrating for like whatever they were protesting for I'm sure it had a right cause and I'm not saying what that Native American individual did was wrong but I definitely am condemning the actions of people on Twitter going out and accusing someone of things they didn't do because again that then delegitimizes your whole argument because now people on the extreme Mm -hmm. of the other side all they're going to say is look at these people they just take everything out of context they just want to attack people for no reason and then these are legitimate arguments that are there to be made like, for example, what those Native Americans were protesting for, mm-hmm. those don't get the light of day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you never see both sides. And I think uh, uh, one thing like that, that we can all uh, learn from when I was down a, a YouTube hole one night, I was watching some Jordan Peterson videos and um, I saw it. Actually, a comment about two videos that I had seen. One of them was Jordan Peterson talking to someone about the wage gap in England, and uh, another one was him having like an argument about uh, something that he had said one time on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could see the difference because in one of them, he was constantly making points and then being told, "Okay, so you're saying," and then you know she would try to try to refute his argument. Mm-hmm. But in the other one, when he was making, when he was trying to to say something and make a point, the guy would say, okay, um, I I could be wrong, but my understanding of what you're saying is this. And the difference between those two is the difference between having a normal conversation and completely, you know, undermining and canceling someone's argument without even considering it, right? You know, one thing is you saying like, okay. Okay. So you're saying this and just completely ignoring what they said and Mm -hmm. putting words in their mouth. And one thing is, you know, like, okay, well, I understand that I could be wrong. Right. And I want to understand what you're saying because you could be right. And then that lowers the other person's scars and allows them to understand your point as well. And you might not agree at the end of it, but at least you guys will understand each other's points better. And at the very least, if you're not going to spark change, that, that is your best chance at creating change in Absolutely. people's beliefs. And at the very least, if you're not going to get there, if you're not going to change someone's beliefs, at least there's not hatred involved in that conversation. Yeah.
2: And see, and the, oh. the, the you said you nailed it right there. And again, the most important thing that people would need to take away from this is: this is not to say that oh, someone who out, who goes and murders someone, or someone who's like in you know, a white supremacist group, we're like, oh, you don't have to cancel that person. Oh, he might be a really good person. Yeah. We're not talking about extremes. Yeah. We're talking about like, for example, that Jordan Peterson example that you gave. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't just take a snippet of some what someone said out of context and then you know you know group like generalize them as a whole you have to really understand what they're saying and where they're coming from and why they think the way they do maybe there's a lot of common ground that you can find and like you said it's that type of discussion that you can actually change people's
1: minds yeah yeah and uh, uh just a lighter question i wanted to ask just just to end it off uh just because we've been talking about a lot of figures today so what are your what are some of your favorite uh pieces of horror media
0: Favorite
2: pieces of horror media, dude. So I I can honestly say not many. I'm so sometimes terrified of horror films. These are the horror films that terrify me, right? If it's a horror movie about ghosts, I never am scared of that ish because I'm always like well, whatever, that's not real. If it's not monsters, whatever. I never think because I'm always like that stuff's not, not real, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm the inner Muslim boy in me comes out when it's ever like something about like demons or jinns or something. (laughs) I don't know why that stuff scares me so much. Because I I keep watching it. I'm like, okay, well, this is not real. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, not in the sense like Jinn aren't real. I'm in the sense that like, this is like, this is a movie, right? And even and half the time, like, they'll be like, this is based on true events and it won't even be based on true events. But me just seeing that line It'll just like make my heart like beating, <laughs> and I'll be like, what? "What are you talking?" And I'll and I'll watch a movie alone, and I won't like get scared or anything, right? I'll watch it, and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's stupid. That's super dumb. That's stupid." But <laughs> at 3 AM in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and I'll be like, "Man." <laughs> I'm just scared, and I'll just like put my blanket over me, and I'll just be like, as if like if there's some something in the room, like my blanket, yeah, my my
1: yeah. blanket is protecting me, right? Checks under the bed, right?
2: So one, so one movie, right, that I saw. I'll give it, I'll say it right here, right now. My, I have friends on you. You guys know pause and I mean like they watch it and they, they were like, I can't, this is ridiculous. Cesare. I can't believe that you were so scared of this. But I watched this movie when I was uh, in a high school with a bunch of friends when we were on a trip, we were like in the middle of nowhere. So when we watched this movie, it made us really scared. It's this, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's that Spanish horror film, Veronica.
1: Um, I think, I think I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Now. Yeah. So I
2: watched it again and admittedly it's not that terrifying, but in the moment it, it just, it's it scared me so much i mean i swear man i just i was like man what did i just watch it was just creeping me out and uh you know what that's really the only horror film that i've seen that's really
1: oh I think, okay. a lot of like horror media is scarier in context like you don't understand the gotcha. fear you, until yeah. you're like in those specific circumstances exactly. now, like yeah. uh like exactly. I'm a huge fan of the of uh, the remake of Resident Evil 2 and like at some point uh there's this guy uh Tyrant or Mr X depending on who you ask that chases you around right yeah. and you know he doesn't look that scary if you haven't played the if you haven't play, if you're just looking at our context but like this whole game you've been like creeping up on zombies getting rid of them and then there's this big guy shows up and you can't hurt him at all and he just yeah. speed walks after you and it's terrifying yeah. and then especially you go into the safe room and you can hear his footsteps and you can't tell exactly where they are and you're just like i'm not getting out of this safe room this is terrifying like out of context it doesn't sound scary it's just footsteps
2: yeah, no, but in the moment it's so scary it's and like them. And like the only other film, like now this isn't, I I wouldn't say this is entirely a horror film, but this movie, like, I guess, cause it was just so disturbing. It like freaked me out. Hereditary. Uh, that I movie, haven't
0: seen that. I've heard it's just yeah. really like disturbing now.
2: It's just really disturbing. I definitely think there's something really wrong with Ari Aster. Um, <laughs> makes great <laughs> films, but there's definitely something wrong with him. Cause uh, I did, you know, that movie you know, most movies like the movies like uh, the the movies that people talk about like I don't know what is it like Annabelle and what is that one movie the it begins with a C the
0: um, Conjuring the Conjuring
2: the Conjuring right like I watched those and I was like yeah whatever right like it's fine it's not that bad but Hereditary just because it was so disturbing just really scared me and like one of my friends like she dude, this now this is stupid like what i'm about to say now this is dumb so (laughs) she 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 referred the set of um uh, horror movies to me that were like Turkish horror movies but they were about like djinn right those things those things terrify me they absolutely like I watch like Conjuring and all that and I'll be like this isn't scary but because that and the movie Veronica are premise on like the idea of like jinns or demons they just scare me like they would it doesn't they don't even have to make sense they don't even have to be well shot just the idea does them mention that I'm like oh my gosh I can't feel my voice. yeah <laughs>
1: it's at the
2: speed yeah dude it's, it's, yeah like
0: I just a work. I'm walking. Yeah. Like it's so. Yeah. The, uh, like tonight. <laughs>
2: Seriously,
0: like I have to wake up. I, I cannot wake up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we are well over our time, but it was an interesting conversation, so we had to keep it going. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys this this past uh, hour or so.
1: And uh, I hope you didn't. I hope you had as much fun talking to us as we did with you, there. Uh.
2: Oh, thank you man I, I had a blast dude and yeah. like any first of all I'm just so bored in quarantine so i was just excited to talk with someone but on <laughs> top of that you know this was great i really had a great time
1: all right uh well um that will be all for today uh be sure to uh follow us at a cup of coffee pod on twitter and instagram and email and email us at a cup of coffee pod at gmail.com um DM us, uh, send us a tweet or email us if you're interested in being on the podcast or just have some questions or